really uh, basically spearheading something new that has never been normal, especially in Namibia. And, yeah. and there are some there are some benefits and also there are some disadvantages. One of the some of the disadvantages that I found in hybrid working or remote working is the wariness of being glued to your laptop all the time, <laughs> yeah. and you know uh, something the lack of uh, what I call office chemistry, which is quite important for team building and creating an organizational culture. Uh, but I know, I'm sure at, at some time we'll have that in the future, but it's quite important, I think, also when you're starting the company just to get to know each other personally by seeing each other, bouncing off ideas with each other. And, and, and so that is something that also my team has expressed that, They've expressed that, yeah, it would be nice if we could meet more often. Hello, and welcome to the Growth Mindset Podcast. Your host is me, Asteria Ambata Pirola. I'm so excited to finally be broadcasting this show and hosting it all the way from Milan, Italy. Journey along with me together with an exclusive list of guests who are thought leaders, academics, creators, entrepreneurs, and scientists, all starting us off from the Namibian landscape. What are we talking about? Everything as it pertains to doing things better and mentally elevated to bring forth the best versions of ourselves in their respective industries. So listen along and hit the subscribe button or simply share an episode that deeply resonated with you. Speak soon. Ciao. Thank you so much for having me and I'm really happy to be here. I'm looking forward to our talk today. Uh, so uh, just a brief background about myself. I'm a career horticulture specialist who, after eight years of working in the agriculture sector of Namibia, is transitioning to become an entrepreneur in the agri-tech space of Namibia and hopefully yeah, Africa at large. Uh, in that regard, I'm, I'm quite proud to introduce myself as the founder and acting CEO of Foodlink Agricultural Technology, close cooperation. Uh, in terms of my background, uh, educational background, I have a bachelor degree in Alexand- from Alexandria University in Agricultural Science, which I obtained in 2013, and recently obtained my master's in international horticulture from Leibniz University in Hanover, Germany. So um, I'm really, um, I really have a lot of uh, experience uh, in regards to production, uh, vegetable production. And I really understand the, uh, I think it's fair to say I really understand the, the market in Namibia. Uh, currently, I'm acting as the CEO of Foodlink, and my role is really uh, providing leadership, uh, develop the brand of the company, develop the organizational culture of the company, and also help the, the company navigate uh, from the conception and development yeah. phase to more uh, commercialization phase. And after that, I'm hoping to bring in a CEO on board who can then manage the risk of scaling the business. Or maybe not. Maybe I'll continue the yeah. journey. <laughs> okay. yeah, so, so we are currently in a, in a conception and development phase. So we are working on the website, uh, which is about 60% complete. Um, and then we are also working on... on uh, developing a marketing strategy which will implement from July to and through August to, to November. Yeah. 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 Perfect. So that sounds that sounds exciting. Um, how has your journey been so far in terms of navigating through the pandemic um, before we get into the next, uh, next well, conversation point? Well, I think we 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 actually started the company i started i founded the company in on the 16th of august 2021 so it was in the midst of the pandemic uh, that's yeah. when we decided to register the the company and you know develop the concept uh, so we are quite new and we are currently um you know uh, building a team that can not only build the, the website, but at the same time um, just develop our, our policy and the, the framework for our operations. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, so but I can say that uh, the pandemic has had a big impact on our concept, 
as a as a as a e-commerce business and <laughs> yeah and we'll, we'll i think we'll dive into into it a bit later because uh even uh uh you know the way we are operating right now is fighting from a remote uh, uh it's from a remote uh, uh model and and yeah so that in that sense the covid 19 has really made us to become flexible and to be open to a lot of um you know way of operating a business yeah um, lovely and i think there's always um learning you can always learn something from you know covid kind of really just threw us into the deep end of things but there are lessons to be borrowed from how the world has been shifted essentially and exactly the one thing that, yeah and the one thing that you said um that you're providing leadership and what mm-hmm. i'm assuming now is that you're providing leadership to a fully remote team um yeah. what has been your biggest strength so far to but just to navigate everybody else to get the website done from a remote point of view what strengths have you harnessed to, to get that done well the first first and foremost uh uh obviously to start to harness your strength first you have to know them and it's not always easy yeah. to know your individuals without relying on self-confidence and external affirmations for instance okay. um currently um our team consists of experts which are quite very well versed in their in their in their expertise and that alone can be very intimidating for a new ceo and so yeah. um uh, one thing that have helped me a lot is has been just being able to uh, have a very open communication approach and uh frequently communicating with the team members on an individual basis you know uh, not only because we we meet once yeah. a month i mean once a week every week we we meet for just to update each other on on our action plans but there is also um a deliberate or intentional communication between um, the team members where we have a, a two on a one on one session and just to understand the work and to understand the the progress of the work so that has quite helped in in making sure that the team is cohesive yeah. and so this cohesion and and yeah one of the other thing that uh, I've, I've also relied on is uh, reading a lot of books of um digging also into my past experience as a manager of an, of an agriculture project Uh, but also uh, i've been a founder of a non non profitable organization in the past and and i've also learned a lot of my leadership um skills from there you know that taught me about the, how to build a team and how to make decisions how to plan and implement this decision and also how to raise funds so so i've relied um i've harnessed some of these strengths from my accumulated skills and knowledge from the different roles that i've had in the past yeah because um the reason why even um i ask a lot of uh or most of the guests that that question and i'm particularly trying to get to the point especially with first time mm-hmm. and navigating that role yeah you, you need practice you know and sometimes yeah. now, now that you're yeah now that you're living it and you're in the process of actually yeah. managing and and you know it's going to come to a point where you're scaling and fundraising all of that there's a preparatory mm-hmm. stage that a leader needs to go through and yeah. what i've observed so far especially within the startup ecosystem it's been solved in africa or specifically in namibia is that that is left yeah yeah yes. yeah and it's lacking in the sense that it's something it's very it's completely different to read uh theoretically how to manage a team but when it's you know getting down into the practicality of things you're working with like i said experts who have mm-hmm. um you know, various skills it's also just managing that and how you show up fully to your role that is something that um i believe as we move along from the podcast we'd also give birth to something else in terms of training leadership for startup ceos 
and how to just mm-hmm. you know create the best environment for you know for one remote teams or your internal team and how to also speak with intent there's so many areas and yeah. the leadership especially is important because you know you are in the process of establishing a business and with that you're establishing a culture um yeah. and how best to navigate the culture if it's not coming from a healthy point of view um, yeah yeah, and, and just to add on that, you know, like, especially in the context of our team, most of us are still working full-time jobs because we are, we, are, we want the transition yeah. to be a bit smoother. There will be a leap of faith at some point where we have to write our resignation yeah. letters. <laughs> but, uh, um, exactly. oh my uh, but that puts a lot of pressure on, on the CEO because then that means that we'll never... You have to meet, you have to be more organized, you have to be on top of things, you have to make sure that you are taking notes of, of everything that the team is doing so that not really to micromanage people, but at the same time just to to set an example and to set the standard of 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 of, of work ethics and and what you expect from, from the other team. And that has been very challenging. And and uh, I must say that uh, there are days when I also have shortcomings. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think uh, what what makes me also excited is because um, most of my, my, my partners, they are also um, excited. We are all working full-time and they, they are also trying to, you know, to see... Um, how they can exit this, this position so that we can, you know, do the, the job properly. But uh, in terms of, of preparatory, I also want to say that one of the aspects that has been lacking in Namibia is mentorship. So we, we really don't have a, enough startup companies that where we can learn from. And most of the companies that, that we see are operating uh, companies that are, you know, sometimes it's not quite clear on how these companies have started. Sometimes it's political connections and yeah, yeah sometimes investors involved, but no clear cut story behind how it's, and, and also uh, just a, a clear story where you see a small company starting up and then it develops into a very relevant company in the industry. So that's lacking. And that makes it quite difficult also to to have role models and then and where you can benchmark your you know your leadership style or especially in the context of Namibia. Yeah. And then that's that's a very that's a very important point that you just raised. Because what we currently do have it's um, you know it's support for this for holistically for the startup but they mm-hmm. aren't actually tailored programs, you know, for yeah. the digital teams and how to yeah. lead and all that. So that's that's an entry yes. point into a different product, for example, or just some support. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I'm mentioning it in particular because, um, you know, like I said, your, your team, each person has their own responsibilities elsewhere, which makes it yeah. a little bit more tricky as well to fully devote your mental energy to strategizing and having a clear-cut strategy is immensely important and I'm living it as well I have a very lean team but the way that I communicate for example because I'm like I'm running at a hundred miles per hour on this side of the world but when I'm managing them and they're based in Namibia when I'm managing mm-hmm. them, it's more, I have to be cognizant of the fact that we are not running at the same pace. You know, Milan is a very fast-paced kind of living. And yeah. when I'm talking to the, to the team, it's basically just coming down a little bit to the level of where they are. Um, yeah. You know, to understand, are, you, are we burned out? Do we need time off? You know, how long is this going to take us to, 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 to finish a, a new product feature, for example? And all of that, mm-hmm. it's also, you know, it, it's, it's training yourself as well to, to, to view yourself to say that, oh, okay, these are my strengths as well as a CEO. And this is where I need to improve on. 
So mm-hmm. in as much as you are leading the team, it's the startup is also kind of developing you in a way, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah, that's true because you, we, we are learning on the job, but also this is not like getting an MBA where you learn all bunch of things. This is specifically to your company. So you're really becoming an expert in, in your company and in the industry of your company. So this is something that is quite, um, I think there is a benefit to, to it also. Although, um, there is also some shortcomings in regards to, um, not being able sometimes to anticipate challenges and also to see around the corners because the CEO yeah. must have um, his eyes uh, at, the, at the, the bigger picture as the team is more focusing on the daily, uh, you know, uh, action plans, making sure that the strategic plan is, is moving forward. Exactly. And like I said, um, that's why we're having this conversation because I am really in the absence of me being in Namibia for now, these kind of conversations are also giving me insight into what is happening on the ground and where else I'm. Yeah, so lovely to If you have anything else to add before we move on to the next discussion point, you may do so. And, uh, no, I, yeah. I, think I'm, I think I'm good. Another, yeah. Another thing that is also an entry point towards the okay, the direction that we're going with this podcast is understanding in terms of how you briefly mentioned or touched on it, that you're managing a remote team. Um, mm-hmm. Has that, do you see it becoming a, a part of your organizational strategy in terms of recruitment? Um, yeah. yeah. What is your holistic view with, with regards to that? I think I think it is obvious that the COVID pandemic has accelerated the adoption of hybrid or remote working, not only in governments, uh, large corporations, but also in startup companies, especially startup companies, because we have, startups are quite small, and they are basically laying a foundation uh, for the organization's culture and, and the DNA of the company, so the fabrics of the company, and because. Because of that, startup have are more are flexible in adapting some of the, the new trends than corporations that have existed for many years. I mean, we have seen corporations also allowing yeah. hybrid or remote working because of the COVID pandemic. But I think it has. It, I don't think it was quite smooth <laughs> at first. Probably it took a while before they could put systems in place. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's. To assume that the future of how businesses will operate has been permanently dented and redefined by COVID-19. And I was recently reading a report published on the McKinsey and company website um, titled The Future of Work. Yeah. And one of the profound statements that I read in this report was how COVID-19 will be forever remembered as the virus that turned our homes into offices, office spaces. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's true in that sense that from now on, working from home will always be an option that can be considered when recruiting employees. And so, yeah, we also have adopted, like I said earlier, a, a hybrid working model. Yeah. Uh, mainly because the partners are all scattered around Namibia, so we are, we have a partner. Our COO is in in, in Swakopmund, and then our, yeah. fin- our financial analyst is in Windhoek, and our legal. Um, expertise in Windhoek also, and then the website developer is with me in the northern parts, and, and then I'm also here in the northern parts. So that that has kind of created uh, this awkward situation of newness, you know, and, yeah. and you, you really are basically spearheading something new that has never been normal, especially in Namibia. And, yeah. and the um, there are some benefits and also there are some disadvantages. One of the, some of the disadvantages that I found in hybrid working or remote working is the wariness of being glued to your laptop all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, sometimes the lack of uh, what I call office chemistry, which is quite important for team building, yeah. and creating an organizational culture. Uh, but I know, I'm sure at, at some time we'll have that in the future, but 
it's quite important, I think, also when you're starting the company, just to get to know each other personally by seeing each other, bouncing off ideas with each other. And, and, and so that is something that also my team has expressed that they've expressed it that, yeah, it would be nice if we could meet more often. But also, uh, on the other hand, it's also very cost-effective in terms of ex executing meetings, uh, saving our financial resources, which is quite critical for a startup, and then also maintaining the momentum of developing the business, regardless of where everyone is. So yeah. that has given us an edge to continue having progress in, in building the concept and, um, and also just to keep on the momentum because we have um, already achieved a lot of milestones um, just from remote working, which I'm, I'm quite proud of uh, my team. Yeah. Yeah. And you said something really important, team chemistry, which is, yeah. you know, now we're interacting through mediums, obviously, but the work still has to be done. How do yeah. you anticipate that happening maybe virtually? I know it's a weird question to ask, but you know, in the absence of really seeing somebody meeting and feeling their energy, how do yeah. you but from my experience, for example, <clears throat> whenever we're sitting in team meetings, I'd always have you know, like let's catch up briefly about what's happening personally and then just learning from that to say that we can humanize our you know, our work. It's not just Billet, 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 billet. You know, yeah. there's a person behind billet and everybody else is doing the work. And by breaking that ice a little bit, it has made it a bit easier to integrate yeah. to yeah, the work part of the conversation. Um, what has yeah. your, your experience basically been with that? Well, we have two um, approaches to making sure that the, we maintain team chemistry. One is brainstorming sessions online. So that allows people really to express themselves and, and, and really for their personalities to come out. So uh, we always, we um, occasionally have these brainstorming sessions about the company and, and just to allow the partners to dream about what they believe Foodlink could be and also to address some things that sometimes does not have enough time when we are having these formal meetings. The second approach is um, meeting once a month. So we, we have to meet once a month and we try to um, rotate the city where we are going to meet. So uh, I think in the yeah. coming of days, I'm looking forward to going to Swakopmund to for our next meeting. Yeah. And that change yeah. of environment makes, makes it also worthwhile and gives the team you know, something to look forward to, but also an opportunity to, to interact and to see each other face-to-face -face and to get to know each other. Yeah. So um, I think at this point, that those, that's what we're doing, and, and I think it's working, it's working quite good for us. Okay. And like you said, it's also about minimizing as many costs as possible, so that could also be an entry point in bonding, you know, in enterprising. Exactly. The fact that yeah. we are meeting virtually, but... You know, we can share what is happening in our own personal lives as well. And that's really at Absolutely. the core of, yeah, it's at the core of my leadership style, for example, that, you know, in as much as we are building a brand or building a company, we are also humanizing the culture around the work that we're doing. I do not want that's to right. be that kind of boss. Yeah. That's, that's, that's right. Like, yeah. You know, you have people that, like if Sarah calls you up, you're literally shivering already. Because <laughs> you're, you're yeah, the president. Yeah. So, but take your personal interest in speaking to, you know, even the most, um, not insignificant, but the most mundane things, like what have you had for lunch? You know, do you have plans for going out? Now, since yeah. like you're working from home, you need to also have, um, um, need to maintain a balance in terms of working and going out and doing anything else, anything else. So that's no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and as, as CEOs, um, we set the tone and we set um, that environment. And because usually, as much as sometimes you can have leaders in, in the team, you know, uh, 
which which is usually possible when you have a lot of uh, confident and competent people. But yeah. um, when people accept you as the the leader and as a CEO, um, there is this um, waiting for for you to implement and to initiate certain things. And so, yeah. I think it's quite important for CEOs to be conscious about you know creating and building relationships uh, on a personal level because in the end um, uh, a companies should be seen more than just a, a place of work or a place of creating income uh, but also it should be an adventure you know <laughs> so you want to uh, you know have share that adventure with with people that know each other and that really enjoy each other's friendship exactly and all the more as well that this is going to get better at a conversation. So I always keep saying that it's also the, the value component of it and what makes startups so unique in, in in comparison to like maybe large organizations that have been in existence for like 50 years is the fact that you are starting something completely from scratch and you have you have the, the, the ability to direct it into the most healthy brand, so to speak. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. really, yeah. And once you strike that balance where people literally are excited to do the work, that's that's the pinnacle of success. I would like to think as a leader, because I don't have. That's to true. Think. Yeah. That's true. That's really true. I, I really agree with that. Yeah, and moving from the, yeah from that point of view, basically, and extending the conversation of remote working to the rest of Namibia, for example. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned that you were an, or you founded another organization, but that was in an NGO capacity. Yeah. What has your, what has been some of the your observations so far with other organizations within the country? The readiness to adopt um, hybrid working systems, um, the readiness as well of our people as Namibians to adopt that hybrid way of working. Are we there yet? What are we doing? Um, yeah. What I, are th I think, that? yeah, I think, um, to, I, I might be wrong. It requires a, a bit of professional maturity. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I think um, at the stage where we are, uh, I think that can only apply to, to certain people who have uh, a certain conviction about work. Uh, yeah. I know that the, I, I, I mean, I don't want to generalize here, but I just yeah. sense that we, I don't think we are there yet. I think there are certain companies because of the kind of organizational culture that is already established that can pull it off where, yeah. you know, people can work from home and especially in the banking sector. I think it's quite very formal and quite very, um, demanding and people are used to that so when the boss say yeah i think you are allowed to work uh, people still deliver but in the startup space i think we need yeah. to still um, develop a uh, maturity in terms of professionalism and so that it can really be something that people respect in our country i think right now if you have started startup and and just recruit people and say, okay, everyone is working from home. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not sure if that can... Yeah, even even the, the people you're recruiting, they they are so used to going to what they call work, you know, and, and it's part of their pride, you know, it's something that people take pride in that, yeah, I work for this and for this company and, and my office is here. So that narrative needs to change and I think it it has not changed yet, but I think um, COVID-19 has really exposed a lot of organizations to really adapt, um, you know, the hybrid working model. Yeah. Yeah, and you said, interesting, because, um, <clears throat> and that is really also a mindset shift, isn't it? For you to recognize exactly. that if you're recruited on a purely remote basis, and that is essentially wherever else that you um, end up placing your home station or your workspace at home, that, that, that right. is you showing up to work. 
it's not a physical place that makes but like I said, it's um, a mindset shift and that you know lovely products are trying to solve certain problems within the country. You also need to tie that yeah. into a narrative. And what sparks ideas, what's what creates change is really people understanding why we yeah. need to adopt a different way of working. So yeah. and, and I think one of the one of the reasons why I also mentioned that we don't have enough startup companies that we can benchmark on, especially in the context of Namibia. It also ties into, you know, uh, not not being there enough, not uh, there not being enough startup companies that have adopted this uh, model, yeah. this hybrid working model, and and that has proven to be successful. So th there's not enough companies that we can use as a reference uh, in Namibia. But I think. The more uh, companies adopt this model, the more um, companies actually prove that it can be successful. Uh, in, in our context, I mean, I have to co continuously say that because uh, there are a lot of companies I know in Europe and in America and, and even in China that uh, that have successfully adopted that. But I think our context is a bit different because um, we are still, um, you know, finding ourselves a startup entrepreneurs, yeah. So I think the more we see that, I think the more um, uh, companies will have the, you know, the confidence to say, yep, this position is going to be from a remote area. This might be a bit hybrid and, and, and it will become yeah. a, a norm. Yeah. Exactly. And we are actually at a, and everything that we're speaking, it's for the context, to the context of the Norwegian ecosystem. Yeah. And we can yeah. borrow these examples as well from, you know, European companies, but they have an advantage in terms of they've already been preparing, I think about five years ago, <laughs> in terms of it's just adopting flexible way of, ways of working. But with us, yeah. it's more, we need... We need conversations to keep happening. We need to normalize the fact that um, yeah. there has been a global shift, but that global shift also gives rise to a lot more opportunities. You're working from home; that's an opportunity. You know, you need you yeah. get to manage your time, for example. Um, yeah. You know, the role and specifically now for roles that are completely um, remote. Yeah. Talking about eight to five, but you're working from home. For, for a work yeah. for a forty week schedule, that it, it gives you the ability for one you know, to be able to do whatever else that you're doing at home, you know, tend to your kids or manage whatever that you need to manage at home, and still have time to do your work. But that yes. shift, it's we need to we need to yeah we need to tap into into that shift a little bit more in terms of just having people understand the benefits instead of. Yeah, I'm not seeing all my colleagues, which is a really minimal aspect of it. You can have the colleagues, but what it's also giving you is a bit of liberty and a bit of uh, yeah. autonomy to do whatever else. And uh, yeah. yeah, and and interesting enough, uh, when even in the traditional way of interviewing people, one of the questions or one of the way people always uh, project themselves is that I'm, um, you know, self. Um, I, I, I initiate things and I don't need to be supervised <laughs> by anyone. I can. So these things usually talk in interviews, but we don't really know what it looks like in, in, in reality yeah. because after you get hired, you just really walk under the nose of your supervisor. <laughs> so I think this is really um, pushing us in a, a new era where. When you're going to say that in in an interview, you you better yeah. mean it because your boss might actually tell you like, okay, uh, since there has been a you know a, a, a somebody infected with COVID, or uh, yeah. because we want you to be located in this region, you're going to be by your own, and we need you to uh, make sure that this is done, or and so on. So I think um, we 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 tend to say things that we, we do not understand because we have never really been in, in such a situation like today. 
And I think moving forward, it's like what you're saying. There has to be a paradigm shift in our mindset. There has to be um, a commitment to our to our companies um, so that we we are competitive. And I think it's only competitive employees that can have the professional uh, mindset to also work from from home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, what is happening on a global scale is people want flexibility. They want to also just love what they're doing. It's not just all the more, it's not just about you have a job. It's, is it job fulfilling? Does it allow me to, yes. to live essentially? So, yeah. Yeah, and I think also in, in the Namibian context, with a high unemployment rate, yeah. I think this is going to force people to really accept whatever job they find. Sometimes, um, um, when there are enough jobs, especially in the corporate, uh, big corporate companies that are quite traditional, it, 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 it can be very difficult for us for this mind shift uh, to happen. But now we are, we are seeing, a, I think recently I saw that uh, the, the youth un, unemployment rate has reached 51%. And, and yep. And we think that the question is then in this 51%, how many of these youth are quite well skilled in, in different um, areas of expertise like graphic designing, website development, uh, content creators, whatever. And these are all um, expertise where someone can actually just work from home and, and still be able to make a And so I think um, uh, when you look at countries like South Africa, um, Egypt, Nigeria, um, one of the things that have caused them to really adapt to this mindset is the high competition for jobs uh, because of their high populations. Yeah. And I think unemployment rate has a way also of helping people to really adapt to the new environment or to, to, to a new um, economic situation so that they can make a living. And I think uh, I'm, I'm actually... As, um, very, very um, positive in regards to seeing a shift, especially in the Namibian youth, in adapting yeah. uh, the hybrid-working uh, uh, approach. Yeah. Uh, exactly, and you, you, you touched on the next discussion points uh, briefly as well, because that's mm -hmm. essentially what we are saying within Billet. We yeah. are, you know, the fact that we don't have a centralized place where a centralized place in terms of a marketplace where it speaks specifically to Namibians or, or Africans to yeah. trade skills, work on improving their content creation skills or whatever their digital skills. Yeah. That is that's the primary basis of why we're doing the work that we're doing because I don't want, for example, uh, <clears throat> we if you're familiar with some of these platforms, it's called a Fiverr and Upwork. They are freelance marketplaces, but they are based out in the U.S. And mm -hmm. they have captured a very large um, audience already. Like, you know, you register a profile there, and if you get picked up, you get picked up. But the chances mm -hmm. of that happening, it's kind of, it's, it's a bit competitive because you do need to, you know, you need to sell yourself online, quote unquote. Um, yeah. And when we're bringing it closer to home, it's also just giving a solution that, now, freelancing, <laughs> which um, I think in our conversation previously that we've mentioned, there's also a narrative that needs to change around that. That the unemployment rate is high, but yeah. you can create, you can earn a living online, and it's not you know, because we we have this saying as well within the country that you know your work is not serious if you are a content creator, or yeah. you can't say to your chest for for lack of a better word. That you are a, yeah, you are what a digital creator or an influencer, but that has given you know people are doing such kind of work out here and they're making serious bank. It's an actual career. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think I think um, when it comes to freelancing, especially in the media. I think the reason, one of the reasons why it has lagged behind is also because it's quite concentrated in specific sectors. So people relate freelancing to certain professions, like 
website developing, you know, photographers, journalists, and you know, yeah. social media marketing strategists and content creators. And it's quite seldom I'll relate that that term to a working professional, for example, in the agriculture sector. <laughs> because yeah. in agriculture, again in the context of Namibia, that term changes to a consultant. But they yeah. definitely they they, but they practically do the same thing because they are, you know, you have a contract and it doesn't come offer certain service and it's, it's yeah, and once the, the, the service has been provided, you make a payment and that's done. And so the interesting is also you, you do find a lot of Namibian professionals who prefer to use the word consultant over the word freelancer. Yeah. <laughs> because consultant sounds more professional and, and corporate. And, yeah. And, and the reason also why there is this self-consciousness to, to associate themselves to freelancing is because of how our society slash culture perceives the concept of freelancing. Um, yeah. uh, you, you, you and I know, you know coming from Shuambo uh, background, uh, yes. you know, most Shuambo educated parents, and I stress educated, even sometimes abroad, yes. think yes. freelancing. Freelancing is another word for making money from your hobbies, you know? <laughs> and I think that, that narrative uh, has not changed. And I don't think we have enough platform where we discuss this. And I don't yeah. think we have enough companies that, um, you're, that are also promoting uh, people to market their, their skills. Um, exactly. And, and that's where I really applaud you with with Billet and, and and the way you are actually targeting Namibia so that you know Namibians can market their skills on a on a global market. I think that is something exactly. really uh, to applaud because it will help us to really compete on a global on a global market and also to put our country on the map. Um, um, you know, yeah. I just got chills when you were saying that because. Um, the platform also gives um, the possibility of you know, competing at a global scale, con creating content for brands that are outside of Namibia. So yeah. that you know, it's not just because Namibia is also really small in terms of making um, a livable income online. And some of the guys that I've yeah. seen as influencers, they are creating content for South African brands. Um, yeah, some organizations outside of the country, but it's really slim because we have not established our market um, to stand out in comparison to influencers or digital creators that are sitting in Europe or the States or in the UK. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of educating, but I'm excited as well because they, it's, you're working with completely raw talent. You're working with um, like teaching as well that you know, taking certain pictures as a photographer, it's not just you, you're standing behind a lens. There's a different art form out here in terms of just, you know, how you sell your pictures, how you present yeah. your work online. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think it's also, it's, I think you, 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 you got it on point there where you're saying that it, it requires education. I think uh, you have a lot of talented people who, who have a lot of skills and that can be translate, that can be converted into income. But uh, I feel sometimes that many Namibians are very shy, you know, in in being bold yeah. about some of the skills they have. Uh, I mean, I've been monitoring YouTube. I think there has been emerging, yeah. an, an emerging number of um, crea uh, content creators on YouTube, you know, traveling but yeah. because of our culture people tend to be very shy you know using the camera the whole time you know walking around exactly. sometimes i feel like some people do feel like they are being you know they're actually kind of doing something awkward which is which is not the case in other countries because exactly. these people in other countries are making an income and and i think that, that even the term uh, digital nomads. I don't think it's it's, it's quite well adapted right. in our country yet. Uh, so, so these concepts are quite new. But I think the more they see how rewarding it is, and how um, also 
how it frees them to, to really live a lifestyle that they want to live and also um, generate multiple incomes from, from, from just different, by, by just engaging different companies, whether locally or abroad. I, I think that will also kind of uh, accelerate uh, the interest for, for freelancing and for marketing uh, exactly. our skills. Mm -hmm. You said something really, really important there. Mm -hmm. um, personality traits, certain personality traits as well. Yeah. Because with shyness, you can harness your strength in other areas. You can yeah. learn how to write if you yeah. don't have, if you don't want to be that front facing, or you become a, narr a narrator for an for an animation studio. Or now I'm really yeah. spitting blue ball in here, but it's. In as much as um, I love talking, for example, and it hasn't always been like this, I had to practice and keep practice and literally forcing myself to air out my ideas in front of people. And yeah. I'm really comfortable to you know, get on, get in front of a camera or go live on Instagram and just talk about yeah. what it is we're building with Nibelik. And for you to get to that stage is really what we're doing with Nibelik. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be so, there's so many things to really talk about, but these, we, we are at the most, we're at the, we're at the very beautiful stage right now because, um, I think, um, it was last month or the month before where mm -hmm. there's, uh, a few influencers within the country and they are like travel influencers or something. And then, you know, they, turn, they, they go around, they get their pictures, Tanzania, ooh, that's beautiful. But yeah. it's also educating people to, like, we want people to have a step-by-step step, step in terms of how did you get there as, you know, an influencer or a content creator. And what yeah. I've seen happen within the country, there are not a lot of people that are willing to share. They're willing to share yeah. that I'm making this much money per month without actually, yeah. you know, giving over the, the cheat sheet to say that, okay, who's sponsoring your trips? You know, yeah. you have a full-time job. Where do you get the time? What tools are you using to create your content? All of that. And that is Absolutely. the difference with this. Yeah. Where, where I've seen with US-based um, creators where they give out everything. Like, because it's in also giving that you're able to maximize more in terms of what comes back to you. So, yeah. yet again, it's a complete mindset shift around everything. Yeah. No, I think information sharing is, is quite limited. I think in, it's quite exclusive, especially I live, I live in, in Rundu, which is in the northern part of Namibia. And I can tell you for sure that, um, I have to make a lot of effort to have access to certain information from here. It's almost as if Windu, the information hub, it is quite exclusive, you know, so you, you have to know yeah. contacts, uh, for people even to, you know, to open up and to know you and to kind of engage you and, and to share some of their traits or some of this information that is okay. that needs to be shared with others. Uh, but I think um, what I what I love about your concept is uh, creating a place where people have access to market yes. their skills. So, so yes. making a level ground for everyone to have access to a platform okay. where the shy ones, the confident ones, the guys who are well connected, all of them can just come there and say, look, this is my skill and yeah, exactly. you can hire me for this cost, you know, and I think exactly. that is a game changer. I think that can also really help, um, you know, some of these um, uh, upcoming content creators, people who do not have enough exposure to really um, have an opportunity to, to, to share their skills. Exactly. And in yeah. the process of doing that as well, you're creating different avenues of employment, which we targeting yes. unemployment too. So it's not for yeah. everybody. I mean, you, you know, as a consultant or freelancer, you will have to do a lot more work in comparison of to the nine to five. But yeah, the rewards are much but, more accessible. Yeah. Would you, would you agree that that kind of also is the the starting point of formalizing some of these freelancing uh, 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 professionals. Um, I think that, uh, would you agree? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 
because um and you said it as well like the, the it's really just the the narration around freelancing and breaking yeah. that down versus the consultant and i remember like in my past role we would hire this really mm-hmm. expensive the experts to come and deliver a talk about performance management yeah <laughs> and they yeah. termed themselves or they termed their skills as I'm a performance management coach or consultant which is essentially yeah. just freelancing <laughs> so maybe the the, the, the negative meditation around that also needs to be reframed for specifically in Namibia and why that is triggering that's true them. And and what I, and what what you say is is so true because uh, I think most people are very careful to call themselves freelancers because they do not understand what it means, and so they are quite intimidated. Yeah. Uh, so they 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 sometimes feel like yeah I don't think I have enough skills to qualify as a freelancer. I have um, two uh, consultants that we're working with, and and they also qualify to be called freelancer because they are helping our our website develop uh, website manager to to develop the the app. So we contracted them, and and but one of them um, is quite talented, and and I remember when we were interviewing him, he was like, yeah, you know, I have. A lot of experience. I, I don't have a lot of experience, but I think I can do this and this. And and the, and when we uh, gave him the contract, the guy has a lot of experience and and he's quite yeah. he's doing uh, work that was beyond our expectation. So I think there is also this narrative that consultants and freelancers are people that come from that have a lot of experience and that have this and that, uh, you know, skills. And, and it, it's almost like creating the impression that it's really something that that requires a lot of uh, experience and, and years and years of mastery. Yeah. But sometimes that's not the case. And I think that also creates, it, it hinders people to, to really have confidence in themselves um, and, and in their skills.